everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Domestic Boyfriend Podcast. Today is going to be a start to a special sub-episode, mini-sode kind of thing that we're doing where we're going to be taking a closer look at probably, like, outside of, you know, comic books and general nerd stuff, the main shared hobby between Ian and I, which is our love for card games. We're going to be calling this little mini thing the Card Games Corner, also known as the CGC. Woohoo. Uh, to start us off with this, we're going to give you guys a little bit of inside look at like what our what our personal favorite games are, what we mostly see ourselves being, what we see ourselves playing the most often, uh, and other things of the sort. And then just probably diving deeper in, uh, as as unstructured at times as our normal podcast goes, this is going to be something else, but it's going to be a blast. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Uh, so yeah, welcome guys. Um, <clears throat> Lynn Vincent take the reins. You know, I talk a lot, so uh, I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We're, uh, we're trying something new. Um, and we're going to have fun with it like we do with every other episode. So, uh, to get us started, um, Vincent, uh, what's, what's the first thing on your, on your side? We're going to, we're going to do a slow walk through each of the, the card games we're going to talk about here, uh, like now and in the near future. Uh, so yeah, what what do you got? So growing up. Uh, there really was only one card game for me, mm-hmm. uh, for like the longest time. Uh, and I would refuse to even try anything else to actually like play it or learn it. Yeah. And the game that I would play all the time, mostly with myself, cause I was a lonely nerd, uh, <laughs> was Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, the loneliest uh, of games is well, the first card game that I ended up playing with people of the same age group as me um, was actually Texas Hold'em uh, <laughs> in yeah. middle school. It was really mm-hmm. weird. There's there's like a there's like a, a small Texas like cult ish uh-huh. thing that would happen where like during lunch, like me and a couple other friends um, who wouldn't normally hang out with me, but it turns out I was actually really good at Texas Hold'em. So they really wanted to play with me. Uh, and I was also the guy that would just show up with I, I would like sneak chips, uh, like poker chips from my family's poker sets at home into school. And by sneak, I mean, I would just fill my pockets with them. So I would just be sort of like jangling when I walk around. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but they're like, oh, dude, he brings real poker chips. This makes this a lot more fun. <laughs> this guy's awesome. Yeah. Um. But Yu-Gi-Oh always had like a special place in my heart. Um, I got to like experience it on like every single like facet of my interests as a kid. I was able to. Uh, it had awesome artwork that inspired me to draw. It had uh, 
really horrible but also awesome TV show that the first series did not follow the rules of the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it had video games, which also didn't follow the rules, but it was great. Um, and then it had the physical card game, too. It also had books. Like It just, it just checked all of the possible boxes mm-hmm. uh, very yeah. early on. Um, yeah, I, uh, also, uh, I, I want to say passively into Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, I did play it a long time for a while, somewhat at a competitive level, and, you know, uh, definitely the anime and the cartoon that got me into it, but, um, as a card game itself, I definitely, I, I enjoyed the mechanics uh, I like the concepts, like you said, the art. It's very, gr- very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yu Gi Oh is up there for me um, when it comes to TCGs. See, you know, more modern stuff. I don't find as fun, but you know, we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to complain. We're we're here to talk about the good things. Unless you want to complain. Well, we can if you want. No. Um, Good to show unbiased opinions. True, true, true. I yeah. like you know only based people, opinions. It's true. Here, here's a based opinion about Yu-Gi-Oh. The current game for Yu-Gi-Oh sucks for a lot of people. Like a lot of people who are in the card game world hear about Yu-Gi-Oh, hear about how long turns take, how long the game is, how how long the text is, but how small it is. Like there's plenty to complain about. Today yeah. was a perfect example because as I've brought up like every now and again while while on the podcast, I am a manager at a local game store. Today was actually one of the days where we ran a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of my rounds ended in a tie between two players. Um, for those of you uninitiated with like how uh, card game tournaments traditionally work, um, Usually things work in uh, a best of three where you play uh, at a minimum two matches against an opponent. Uh, If you, you know, if you win the first game, uh, the first two games, then you win. Is that like how rock, paper, scissors usually goes? Yep. Um, It ended in a tie with neither of them having won a single one of their games and actually only collectively had played four turns between the two of them and took the full 45-minute time clock for just four turns. Oh. And neither player was was playing slow. Neither player was, like, taking too much time. They were fully interacting. One of the players had half of their deck in their graveyard from just solely interacting with their opponent. Wow, that's crazy. Game is whack. Yeah, I mean, I have my problems with other card games being grindy sometimes, or sometimes, like, they're slow. Like, not necessarily, like, intentional slow play at hand, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I feel that. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy it. It's, I'm not trying to sound like a boomer here, but, you know, when it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh, I really enjoy, like, some older things, you know. I don't necessarily, like, 
like playing in the ed- like in Edison format or goats or anything like that. I just I really enjoy just like peeking back into certain times in Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. When I uh, specifically played, found it For more sure. enjoyable. Might be nostalgic goggles, uh, uh, to be honest, but. Yeah. Well, a lot of the time talking to like any like current or past Yu-Gi-Oh player, you know, it it's it's kind of rare for people to be like um this is always my favorite format. What what bubbles down to people's favorite formats is the one that they were like truly the most invested in at like a competitive level most of the time. Yeah. Um <clears throat> for me that was uh probably like like I I love Edison so much but truly like my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh format was the most recent one that was also the most hated one which is the tier 0 tier limit format that we had where if you weren't if you weren't playing the exact same deck as your opponent uh if one of you was playing tier limit you would just immediately lose mm-hmm. but i found that very fun because it also like made me into a better player because the the mirror match was very 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 hard. Vincent um, just but really very fun. Vincent's just really good at rock paper scissors. I, I really am. I had this great moment once with our mutual friend Gabe, where he and I were playing rock paper scissors. He picked his thing first, and then I uh, psyched him out by going on like a twenty second tangent about. Uh, how Gabe's mental state was in that moment and asked him about how his day at work was and said he was feeling confident. So that means that he was picking scissors because he wants to cut me like paper. So I picked rock and he had picked scissors and he screamed at me. It was great. Yeah. Shout out Gabe. Shout out to Gabe. Yeah. Stupid ass. Anyway. So. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh player. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh is fun. I, I like a lot of mechanics that are in it. You know. Uh, I, I make a joke with other card game people that I play with, uh, and I do have a gripe when it comes to how they handle, um, like, banning and the... I feel like their their ban list is, like, the biggest joke among TCG players, because it's like, it, when stuff goes wrong, it's just... It, it stuff just gets banned. <laughs> um... True. Like whenever, whenever something's too broken or there's a tier zero format, it's it's broken. And then you know, I remember when Aratus first started coming out. Like when we yeah. when they took stuff off the ban list, and they're like, "Hey, we're we're gonna change it. We're gonna keep it similar to how it was, and you know, but we're gonna change it so it's now a playable card." So, you know, we we assumed it's because you know they're they're a lovable company and they think uh, they think about their players, but you know, it's because of the reprints. So. Which, you know, I'm not too mad about that because I do like playing certain cards and certain cards just don't even get touched, you know. Like, every time they bring out Snatch Deal, like, that's just, just always coming back. It's br- they're bringing it back on the next list. Yeah. It's, as well as Upstart Goblin to three. Yeah, that's kind of... That's crazy. For all, for any of you Yu-Gi-Oh players out there, you know, you gotta have your Hobans. You get it. You gotta ban your hose. No, it's hoping. Patrick Hoban? Yeah, ban your hose. Yeah. Anyway. Um your hose have been banned. <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, no. 
Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! is cool. Yu-Gi-Oh! It piques my interest once in a while. And, you know, I know you're more... You're more into it. A couple of our mutual friends are more into it. and mm-hmm. You know, it's... It's nice to hear that the game is still going. It's just certain things are questionable. Uh, but thankfully, Konami is actually thinking about the future and the legacy players, and you know, supporting supporting the future of the game without just giving us new product and you know, letting us use old cards and such. So yeah. Um. I guess I'll, I'll, yeah. I, I, if you're if you're okay with moving on, oh, absolutely. Um, straying away, straying away a little bit from something we both know, something that I know and you kind of know. Uh, I am into um, the Digimon card game, and the Digimon card game is not just a copy of the Pokemon card game. It's um, very interesting. So. It's actually closer to the One Piece card game in a lot of ways. Yeah, but they're both made by Bandai, so, yeah. You know. Um, I got into the Digimon card game because of my love for Digimon, the anime and everything. Um, so it was a array of YouTube videos and announcements from Japan back in... I think it was back in 2020... Uh, yeah, it was 2020, like in the midst of COVID when we got the announcements for the Digimon card game. This, this card game literally came out during COVID, I believe. Um, if I'm correct, one second. I think it was in the middle of 2020. Yes, it was in the middle of 2020. The uh, first release set was April 24th, 2020. And then in English, the first set was released the 29th of January in 2021. So uh, the game thrived um, being a game released in COVID that was tabletop. Uh, you know, tabletop simulator helped people uh, get easy access to it, you know. It's a Japanese first game made by a Japanese company. So, like we are like similar to how Yu-Gi-Oh is, you know, we'll get the product eventually in our in in our language, um, and with like modern with like localizations and such. So, um, it was a little bit of a grind. Um, I actually stopped playing Digimon up to the point where. The first set, uh, the first, not the first set, but the starter decks of the first set um, were going to be initially released, starter decks one through three. Um, and I just, I before it even happened, I just completely, like, I didn't, I didn't, I lost interest in the game. I think I was burnt out by testing so much. Because um, before it was released, before set one was released in Japan, or in America, three sets were released in Japan and I was like testing out all that stuff and I burnt myself out and ended up missing the release. Um, I started playing in paper a little over a year ago and I've been keeping up with it ever since. Um, keeping it up with it in the English format and the Japanese format just to 
keep myself entertained and interested with everything. Um, yeah. Um, I know you, uh, being a card game man yourself and dealing with mm-hmm. cards all the time, um, you expressed to me that you also had an interest and you were uh, currently in the process of making a deck in, in Digimon. Yes. Um, if you want to, like, from what you know, give your opinions on the game from what you've been exposed to I so far? I think the game is very interesting and it has a lot of promise. Um, looking at it from... <laughs> one of my favorite parts about, like, working at a local game store um, is mm-hmm. that I get to have these, like kind of weird but also like new perspectives on things that i didn't have before because i get to actually like i'm a part of the industry in a way yes um i shouldn't even say in a way i just am um yeah it, it just is um but like you know from both a player as well as like um as well as somebody who has to sell the product um it's it's pretty easy. It's a pretty easy game to get into. It's not like overtly complicated like how Yu-Gi-Oh can, uh, which I really appreciate. Um, it's also still has a lot of depth to it. It has um, it has a lot of upsides that um, that other card games don't have right now because everything is just like trying to be complicated or trying to be a collectible card game mm-hmm. or trying to be both um yeah. and fortunately digimon is able to is seemingly pr- and pretty easily like hitting multiple demographics right now where um where it's able to be both a collectible card game and still be accessible um which is yeah. unfortunately like harder to do than it than it really should be um it it does what i think pokemon does very well where um you know like regular versions of these like strong cards will be printed and then a chase version will be printed as well which i super appreciate uh making it so that the game pieces aren't hard to be able to actually get to play with but you can really bling out the deck if you want it to be and then the the collectible cards, like the high rarity stuff, look really, really good. The mm-hmm. boiling process, it's not half-assed or anything. There's really intricate and interesting like designs that the foils end up getting. Yeah. Um like I I've been kind of lazy about like finishing up the deck. I've I've been working on it and have had 90% of the deck for months now. But I keep buying packs here and there, even though I should just buy singles just to like see the new Digimon and like build up a binder and just mm-hmm. having fun, like collecting things. Uh, and that's what I've been finding myself doing a lot more with like these card games that I want to be playing, but don't necessarily have, have the time to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot I love about the Digimon card game. You know, we have, there, there are those, uh, the way that the rarities, the way that rarities work out, you know, we we do have those cards that you know after it is a little bit harder of a pull uh, for you to get and you know sometimes it is it does suck 
because like as a single, it could be somewhere upwards of like $40 to buy. Um, but you know, those things, those things hopefully will get reprinted in the future. Um, sometimes, you know, you can get lucky and you can get it from a, from a case or something like that. But it's, um, it's a very fun game. You know, recently we just got, uh, some new product released in Japan. You know, we got, uh, BT 16. So it's our 16th main set, uh, that's came out, um, we do have a list of eroded cards, uh, similarly to uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, they're starting early with this because they want to make sure everything is playable as much as they can without banning it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do have a banned and restricted list. Um, sadly, recently with uh, the newest set, not the newest set, but the set before that, the newest set to come out in America, um, you know, there is a very broken card. Um uh and it just it kind of just sucked um so if you've watched the Digimon anime um they released the last couple sets so BT14 15 and 16 have kind of been like a I the way I like to think of it it's the kind of like soft reboot that the card game has been needing um They've been introducing new mechanics and new keywords for cards and such. Um, but this set, uh, BT-14, the last set released in America, um, was kind of a fresh little little small reboot because they introduced a new mechanic. Um, they introduced a lot of cards that supported a lot of older decks. Um, they uh, explained that this mechanic was going to work for like going to be a big part of the future and it really and it has been because every set we've gotten new new cards with new mechanics um so i guess uh just to just to help you explain just to explain some of this with you um so the regular concept of digimon um is i think it's really unique um is that instead of mana like in uh Yu-Gi-Oh or <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh mana like in magic um, and, or, like, if you play, like, something like Hearthstone, or if you're playing Digi- Pokemon and you have energy cards and such, Digimon works, uh, on a function of a 10 to 10 scale, where zero's in the middle, and that's where you start. Um, mm-hmm. from there, um, each thing costs what's called memory, and on the memory, you would move from that line from 10 to 10 at the center of zero, which is called your memory gauge. So... Um, like, you know, playing Digimon costs memory, playing, like, what is considered, like, spell cards, which are called options, costs memory, playing tamer cards, which uh, pretty much act like, um, they they kind of act like artifacts uh, in Magic the Gathering, uh, playing, yeah, those are the three card types, Digimon, tamer, options. Um, they all cost memory, to digivolve your Digimon, that cost memory and such. So, uh, in my opinion, I find it really fun to play this game because there's strategy in how much you give your opponent. Because, yes, you can give yourself a big advantage in hindsight um, by playing this big creature on the field for a lot of memory, but then your uh, opponent has a lot of memory to work with, right? 
Uh, they can do a ton more than you can, despite the fact that you just put out like a big creature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more strategy as the game's evolved. Um, we've gotten option cards that can nuke, that can uh, strip your sources, which sources are created when a Digimon digivolves. Um, certain Digimon have effects when they're underneath a card. Um, we have option cards that can blow up a giant Digimon. We have them that can search stuff. Um, the only thing, it's funny enough, the only thing that Digimon doesn't have is a way to shuffle your deck. Um, you'd never shuffle your deck in Digimon, ever. Uh, cards will always say, like, put to the bottom or put to the top. So you'll never, there's never, there's no cards in, in this card game at all that say shuffle your deck. Um, That's really so weird. It's, it's very important for you uh, to know what's to, at, towards your bottom and how you put stuff because there can be situations where you cycle through your deck. Um, 50 card decks, you know, they're not that big. Um, especially in Digimon because uh, instead of a life counter like Magic or a life point counter like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, in Digimon, you put five cards from your the top of your deck after you have mulliganed your hand, your five-card hand, and you put those five into what is called your security zone, and you those are effectively your health bar. So you can get hit five times before the final sixth hit, where you have zero security, uh, wins your opponent the game. Um... You can also deck out in the game, uh, which is a concern because mill is a thing. Not oh, you're milling your opponent, but self-mill um, is a thing. Um, opponent mill uh, is actually the card that got banned. So um, they released a card called Apoclamon um, in BT15. And uh, did you watch the Digimon anime by chance? As a kid? The the re- Oh, as a kid? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Apocalypse, as you know, is the combined data of the Dark Masters. This is getting into real Digimon lore here, so spoilers. Um, Apocalypse, he may... The Apocalypse deck is just called the Dark Masters deck because what you would do is... Apocalypse is a 15-cost Digimon, right? Remember how I said that scale was 10 to 10? So that means that if you're at zero, you couldn't you can't even play Apocalypse, right? Like, you can't hard cast him because he's 15 and you only have 10 that you can give your opponent. So, mm-hmm. there is that advantage that, like, you starting at zero, the more that your opponent gives you, the more that you can do. Because if you're at 10, then technically you could play something for 20 and then put your opponent all the way to 10. Um, if it's just one card. Um, so, uh, I think I should clarify the fact that once your opponent goes to one memory... Um, the game state rule is that once your opponent, once the threshold of memory passes over to your opponent's side, starting at one or higher, it, you, the, your turn ends automatically after effects resolve. Um, so you can't just keep spamming cards. I just want to make, clarify that. But Apocalypse states uh, you can hard play him, and after you hard play him, uh, you can put up to three Dark Masters, and for each of them, you can reduce his play cost. I believe by six, no, five, ten, you can reduce this play cost to, to just three. So 
what essentially had happened was people made a very fast draw discard deck. Um, and that's what made Apoclamon banned because Apoclamon mills your opponent. So you have these, you have this big Digimon on the field that's milling out your deck and, uh, it's very hard to get around. Um, Mostly because his effect also lets you use the on-play effect of level 6 Digimon. Um, if you don't know what I'm saying right now, it's okay. Just understand that it's broken. Because the higher <laughs> level a Digimon the higher level a Digimon is, the more powerful its effects are. And Apocalypse pretty much just says, well, I'm going to use what you can do now. Um, but all in all, um, you know, there are some... There are some crabby parts here and there um, with the Digimon. I really enjoy it. I do online tournaments. I uh, I participate in the community. I've made friends through this community. Um, it's really awesome. Uh, and also, like the artwork is amazing. You know, you work. It's Bandai working with a bunch of people who worked on their projects. Um, people who like draw Gundam art work on Digimon cards. People who work on certain anime that Bandai releases, work on it, their cards. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, so, if yeah. You, if you're interested in checking out the game and, like, seeing things a little bit more in-depth on, like, how to play and then seeing some gameplay for it, my recommendations would be to check out Tolarian Community College, um, which uh, is run by a lovely chap by the name of the professor uh he is primarily a magic the gathering channel but does do a lot of like dipping into other card games and he has a wonderful like how to play digimon video that i watched and learned from and then the main one for actually watching gameplay which i adore because of how over the top they are is a channel called the card protagonist um which is one of the most enjoyable like just card game things that i've ever seen in my life because they all they're always like just super into it yeah i also watch the card protagonist when uh he releases they release videos they're very nice and very cool to watch um i do Deep have set <laughs> yeah i do have to say one thing though um as as nice as it is to watch their channel uh i felt kind of like it's like teasing yourself over again if you're not in japan keeping up with like the format like as it's coming out um some stuff does get spoiled and you know by the time it comes out yeah. in america like you're kind of like oh well that's then in there i want the new stuff so be wary of that, but no, definitely watch them if you want to get a taste of how it is. Um, there's also like a bunch of online communities if you're ever interested in it. So, yeah, um, that's that's really all I had to say about Digimon. Um, let's let's shoot it back to you. What do you what do you have? What you well, got, Mister? How about another little blast from the past, which you will end up having more info than than I have for it. Will I? Um, yes. Because okay. you've kept up with modern stuff. I have not. Uh, I still haven't. I think I'm in the Discord. I'm, I don't know if I actually am. I don't see it. Um, growing up, 
there were, you know, card games just had shows. That was just a thing that happened for us, uh, which was cool. But um, not uh, all, not always the show stuck around and the show is sometimes when they moved into a second. Oh, my season, gosh. I know what you're talking about. OK, they're, <laughs> going. they're moving into a second season. They just completely change how they animate the show. Um, some of you might remember it and be like, oh, my God, that's crazy that that still kind of exists. But chaotic uh was a card game that i only ever had one other person that i played physically with i i had and still have my maxor structure deck which was all of the chaotic cards i ever got i never got more than that um but like there was just something sort of magical about chaotic yeah i think it was now i'm not like super modernly up to date with chaotic uh in fact i'm not sure where the status of any of it really sits um if i'm gonna be honest just because like i don't always look at the news and uh you know things things are actively being changed all the time but mm -hmm. um yeah it's um it, it's funny because it, it plays pretty much exactly like how the anim uh, the anime cartoon shows it. Um, it's it's really fun. It's it's interesting when you look back when Chaotic was like a big thing, because like people used to think that you could never make something exactly like how it was in the show or exactly like how the original media was. You know, like with Yu Gi Oh, like they try here and there, but then they have to like tone down the cards to like make them actually functional, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but with Chaotic, like, they... I don't know what it was. I think it might just be, like, the... the the I don't... The best way to put it is, like, the balls to do it is that, like, the, the unique thing about the world of Param... Oh, my gosh. It's all coming back to me. Um, <laughs> is that, uh, like, in this... This is all based on the show, and then the card game came after, is that... Um, well, for one, the show's based off of a world where it's just a card game, and then they figure they figure out after you're done playing the physical card game, you could actually go to this like alternate dimension that held your consciousness, and from there, you'd go around and adventure with people, and you'd actually go to the land that the lore was based on. That's like if we were playing Magic and we actually went to Ixalan, that'd be cool and terrifying at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, or we absolutely. were in Yu-Gi-Oh! And all of a sudden we were in Vampire Castle with the Vampire Lord. Or like on the battlefield where the Clifforts are or something like that. In front of Clifford yeah. Tower. Like, that would be we wild. We were the Naturia Sacred Tree. Yeah. <laughs> Before it got burned down. Um it it's it's a really interesting concept and like they ran with it like a hundred percent in the show and the fun thing about it was like it wasn't it turned from like this is just a card game to this is like a living breathing world i loved chaotic when it was being released because like it felt so much more like a breathing show that a card game was made after instead of a card game show that had the card game irl yeah. Um, it, it's so, 
it's so cool the way that they were able to still make it a functioning card game while having it be pretty much lore accurate. So the way that Chaotic works is you you have your deck. Um, so you construct your deck beforehand based on the parameters that you and your opponent make, right? So this game is like super customizable. I'm sure the rules have totally been more defined um, since everything had happened. Um, quick, I guess I should explain what happened. So Chaotic was a pretty successful, um, super, I want to say super successful because before it got, before it got put out, um, before like it went on hiatus forever, it was, it was going up there, like in the American market, I think it was like the third highest rated card game of all, like it was getting up there. Like they, their sales were through the roof. The show was doing great. Like it was it was going places, right? Um, so Chaotic was on the Kids WB for two seasons. The first season was made in Flash. Um, and the second season was taken up um, by an animation studio. And it they were literally in the middle of a story arc when it happened. And the transition uh, was a bit shocking if you watched the episode before and then you watched that start of season two. Um but uh, the whole thing was it was so successful that the kids WB, I believe what was happening, if I, if I can remember correctly, they wanted the full rights from the original owners because Chaotic, before it became the show, was a card game trying to get off its feet by um, two owners. Let me get it. Let me pull this up before I butcher it. Um, Cause I want, cause I, I, I have a very big love for chaotic. Now that I didn't know where you were originally going with this, Vincent. Honestly, so <laughs> like I'm really glad that we're talking about this one. Yeah. So it was originally, it was originally so chaotic. The trading card game is based on the early game called Chaotic Now or Never, um, which was a turn-based game based on a game called Gruels and Gorks. Um, Martin Ruff and Draco, um, which I believe Draco actually left the team, if I remember correctly. I think he actually made a, he formally resigned from the Chaotic team not too long ago. That was in like the Discord server. Don't quote me. Looking on the Discord server you. right now. Because I remember it was a big thing that someone had left. I think it was him. Um, and you'll understand why it's such a... Oh, wow. That's crazy product actually hit shelves from that were like a decade old um anyway so um uh, the original the original publisher or the original um the original people were martin ruff and draco um which apparently 
Draco was a person. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, I'm just trying to read some of this stuff. Um, but it was originally two creators who worked very closely um, with distributors, and eventually the WB found them and was just like, yo, this is going to work, and we're going to make an anime. We're going to make a cartoon about it. And it flew off. Like, it was so successful. Um, but the WB got greedy. The WB got greedy, and they wanted more. They wanted to take more money away from the original owners of it, um, so they took them to court. This court case lasted for so long, I'm pretty sure, I think the settlement ended two or three years ago. Like, in 20, somewhere between 2018 and 2021 was when this started, was when this ended, and the online card game was open since October 24th of 2007. So, give give that a nice span of time, right? Um, that this this card game could have been like one of the next major things. Um, you know, when the lawsuit happened, no, everything got shut down. Production stopped. They were in the middle of releasing a new set. Uh, they were in the middle of releasing a new set and the production of a next set. Um, they had to stop everything there. Everything got put into warehouses that was produced. The original owners couldn't touch anything, talk about anything, or, like, produce anything of the original content that they still had license over because it was in court. And the WB also wouldn't work a release on anything because of the court case being opened. So it's a hard truth that Chaotic, like, took such a big, big hit by the fact that corporations got super greedy about it. But this game at its core is so fun and so cool. Um, so like I was saying, what would you what would you compare this to? This is like a this isn't like an army game. I wouldn't say that's like Warhammer. But it no. it kind of is. Like it's it's odd in the way that it works. Yeah. No, because you it all like a lot of your characters care about like you know, matching certain like tribes or like maybe not matching tribes and having like positioning about the characters adjacent to them. Yeah. Um, in a way it's kind of like, I think truly the best way to describe it with like just how kind of weird and how like what, uh, self-observant of observant the game is, uh, in a way it's kind of like how MetaZoo works where, yeah. um, it, it like, really cares about like random very specific things like oh is there a thunderstorm happening that's the thing for metazoo that's not a thing for chaotic but like well actually i don't know there's it's very unique how how chaotic functions because yeah not, it's not any other card game that i can think of really works that way it's it's very much it's in like the cares about columns yeah it's very it's in the name it's chaotic because when you look at it so chaotic is so the way that you you function in chaotic there's there's a couple card types you have to understand there are your creature cards which all of them have a name a a name and a race um and with that those are the only stable parts of themselves there, there can be different versions of a certain creature. Like, there's different Maxor cards. Maxor is the leader of the overworld. So there's the overworld, the underworld. There's So there's the world of Param, which all of this takes place on. There's the overworld, there's the underworld. 
Um, so you have overworlders, you have underworlders, you have um, fuck, you have um, the pedians, which are the pedians are like lizard creatures um, that varies from like aquatic to land and desert faring ones. You have the danians, which uh, danians are all of the insectoids, mostly like ant creatures um, that function. Uh, and then you have the Marillions, which we don't talk about the Marillions uh, because the Marillions are icky and gross. Um, and there's also some tribeless people because um, the thing about like each of the they're not really racist, I guess they're they're tribes within uh, Param because technically in the lore we've seen that people can swap from living in the underworld to living in the overworld or even mutating into a Danian. Or like, uh, like living with Mepedians, and technically that tra- that changes their tribe, um, which in the show can reflect as them being a new card. So let me explain the function of the card game, and then we can talk about uh, the uh, we can talk about how the anime was. Um, Vincent, we should have just made this an entire episode, man. Uh, <laughs> You should have expected that it would bring up chaotic. This is just gonna this is gonna turn into a chaotic episode. Um, so the the way that it works is you have that is one card type, um, but creatures. Very interestingly, in the show they kind of show us that each card pack is unique because each card, even though my Maxor may look like Vincent's Maxor, the stat block is completely different. You have like strength agility, speed, um, how good they are with music, which I'll explain in a little bit, uh, and different resistances to, like, pretty much, like, constitution in D&D, like, mm-hmm. how well they take, like, psychic damage and shit. So, like, my Maxor can look like, my Maxor can look like his Maxor, but they have different stats. Well, that re- that's reflected in the show because they get these things called, like, code scanners, which is where they would scan their card in the real world, but in Param, in this, like, psychic consciousness world, um, this alternate reality, they can literally scan the creature that they're interacting with. So if, like, one of the main characters, like, he literally loves Maxor, so he scans Maxor to get a card of Maxor, and that's reflected when he goes to play the card game the next time. Um, and interestingly enough, that also reflects next time he plays it in the real world, because like I said, this is like him being transported into like this other dimension. Uh, his consciousness gets transported in the other dimension, but it's through his scanner that it goes through there. This sounds convoluted guys, but I promise if you watch this awesome show, you'll, it'll explain everything in the first two episodes. It's like if you take a picture of somebody and then you can embody them in that exact moment of how they were there. A great example of that was in an episode where he had to go get a new scan because he like traded it away or like his scan of he lost it and we got damaged. Oh, he just he lost it. Right, He lost it. And then he went to scan Maxor again and Maxor was was, and Maxor had a cold. Yeah. So so then when he went to play him uh, play as Maxor, he was a weaker version of Maxor who had a cold. Yeah, so it's really interesting the way that creature cards reflect in both the actual card game and in the anime, or in the cartoon anime. I don't care. Um, So, like, if I were to open, like, a bunch of packs in the card game, I could get a bunch of Maxors, but they'd all be, like, different stats. Like, none of them are identical. Um, It reflects in in the show because if you were to, you scan, when you scan something, 
you scan it in whatever condition that it's in. So if someone's near death and you scan them, you're gonna you're you're going to use that card when they're near death because when you scan someone in chaotic, which is the like the the realm, the alternate reality that you get transported to. So there's the real world, chaotic, and then param. So chaotic's like the world between param and the real world, and then param is the place where the creatures live. So in chaotic, instead of you actually playing the card game, your deck is loaded up with all of your cards into your scanner where you then uh, can physically fight one-on-one with your enemy Akin to the card game, but it's based off of your own skill along with the techniques and the weapons and the different things that you would normally use in the card game. But it's it has to do with your physical skill, um, which I think is really interesting because it, it turns this from like this boring card game to like an action cartoon. Uh, and I think it's so awesome. Um, and like people find advantages and different things. So I'm going to explain a couple... <laughs> This is literally going to turn into a chaotic episode. I'm going to explain <laughs> the rest of the stuff, and then we'll go into how it is in the anime. In the anime, so well, who is your favorite character? Wait, uh, I'm my, saying uh, overworlders or what? Not over. Not, my favorite uh, character, humans, not humans. Oh no, it's easy. My favorite character is um, fucking what's his name? What does he look like? I'm just. Gonna, I'm looking him up right now. Uh, I swear to God, if you pick the same one as me, I'm going to be mad at you. But also happy. Uh, Once you get him, we'll count down from three, and then we'll find out. Uh, uh okay. One second. One second. One second. One second. One second. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, what's his name? Fuck! 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 What the hell is his name? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Three, two, one. Naturin. Oh. Oh. Naturin? <laughs> really? Who? Wait, who did you say? Bodle? Bodle? I love Bodle. I like, I like old Bodle. Like, Bodle's ancestor. Yeah, Bodle's ancestor is cool. I, I just no. love the fact that he's like, you do owe me. You have to use me in your game. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's, it's like, God, like, God, God damn it. You're the worst I creature. Play, I have to play Bodle. No, I love Naturin because he like, uh, he he honestly kind of really cool. And Nadrin's just like old old man Jace, honestly. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think it's really cool when in the anime spoilers for the chaotic in the chaotic cartoon, like when like Nadrin first meets Tom, and then like you find out later that like Nadrin knew Tom when he was younger because they used the fucking time portal. Like that was like wild, and it's just like I have known this entire time. Uh, like a fucking Gandalf motherfucker, um, but he, he, I just think he's super cool. He's also he's also like a skilled um, magician user. So, um, but anyway, uh, you have creature cards, you have weapon cards. Weapon cards are pretty basic. Like you can equip one weapon per creature every fight. So like weapons can do all types of shit. Like they can do damage. They can cause an effect. They can uh change they can they can do anything you really think of um yeah um so you have weapons you have locations um i guess i'll go over locations last you have music so music is um 
like spells. That's the best way. They are spells that play magic, and magic is the coolest thing in all of fiction. Uh, it's my favorite way yeah. that magic is ever like displayed. They also look so cool. They look so beautiful. Yeah, they're spells that actually play music in the show, and it's it's awesome. So like, so the way that it works is you ha- each creature has a certain amount of magicians that they use, which is pretty much just their mana cost. And each magic cost one magician. Um, each magic can do all types of things. They can restore your health. They can kill your opponent. They can revive a creature that you've had. They can swap places with the creature. Um, they can cause a certain effect. They can swap the area. They they can do anything. Also, um, we're gonna need a part two of this uh, to be able to talk is, about other cards. This is this is just gonna turn <laughs> into a I long. Ep- this is gonna turn into a long episode. Um, so with (laughs) this title of this episode is just going to be chaotic. Oh yeah. And other card games. (laughs) Um, so when, so music, so weapons can do like a lot of things, but most of the time they're used for like offensive and defensive purposes. Um, they could also be like, uh, vehicles. Vehicles are also considered weapons. Um, so you can like ride like a fucking, there's like an AT-AT looking thing that you can ride. Um, uh, there's like hover cycles and different stuff like that. But music, music is, um, you can have a certain amount of music per amount of creature that you have. And I believe music's have a different, like each of them have different levels. So you can only have a certain amount of levels, certain, like kind of like how you can have spell slots within, um, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but you can, you're only allowed a certain amount of music. And once you use one music per you can only use one music of that type per game. So if you were to use like the Ballad of Blades, I just made that name up. Okay, the Song of Storms is a real music. Never mind. If you use the Song of Storms, um, the Song of Storms is something from Legend of Zelda. Never mind. Um, music chaotic. Uh, if you were to use the. Uh, I'm an adult. If you were to use. Uh oh, this this is a cool name. The chorus of the Kothika. So if you're used to use the chorus of Kothika, and the chorus of Kothika lets you what the fuck? Is that really all it does? It allows a creature to cast any music. So it's literally just it lets you do whatever you want. Um Wow, that's really stupid. Um Is there something else? Uh, yeah okay never mind we're gonna use this one instead uh the cannon of casualties it, do, it deals 30 damage to an opponent <laughs> that's that's it. that's so much um what yeah so one music is like one spell um there are things and creature abilities that can reprise magicians and let you use music multiple times um but that that those are all different card effects and stuff so we have creatures, vehicles, or items, music, and then we have location. So location is very important because we see in the anime that you can just kind of like fucking scan an area and that just becomes a new location. It's actually very interesting because like we said, when you scan something, it is the way that you scan it that you will use. that The card will show up and you use it in a battle in Chaotic. So 
Um, there's a storyline in the anime where like there's a bunch of fucking people who go around blowing up locations so they can scan them. They scan them beforehand and they destroy them afterwards because they want to have rare location scans so they can fucking haggle people and shit. Um, there's also like locations during a certain. There's this one location like during a certain time of day, like it'll give buffs to creatures like of a certain type within it. Like all of this shit is so. This shit is so fucking cool, man. Um, it, it's it's a bunch of stuff that retain that like depends on like different circumstances, and then you can like play out creatures on them. So um, locations where the battle takes place. So after that tangent, I'm gonna explain to you how chaotic works. So you have the creatures. So you you battle your creatures right the, in the cards that you have. So you, Vincent, I just want you to know this is all based off of my prior knowledge of Chaotic and not me looking up anything. Also, most of it's just from the TV show. So, from... <laughs> did you ever did you ever play on, like, the online browser no, and, like, mess no. around? Oh, Mm-mm. my God, dude. In in the browser, you got to mess around with music and you could, like, click them. And, like, you know how in, like, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl you could, like, shine your badges and then play songs with them? You yeah. could do that with the music notes. Oh, that's so cool. It was so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can... So the way that it works is you and your opponent gr- agree on what the battle is going to be. So you can have, like, at minimum one creature per person, at maximum fucking infinite amount of creatures. It's just going to be a long-ass battle, right? You put them in a formation, so you would line them up, like, kind of side by side on the board not not side by side but like in a similar you're you're mirroring mirroring their uh placements on each side of people's fields so if you were to have two creatures they would just sit side by side and then on your opponent's side they would sit side by side mirroring yours and if you had three they'd be in like a triangle formation um, where the first creature is pointed towards your opponent, so the triangle's head is pointed towards your opponent, um, and then there's two behind. This function, this this matters because your opponent cannot advance and battle creatures past a, another creature unless they have a special ability, or if they get behind them. So that's all a part of battle strategy, which is kind of interesting, kind of because it work it functions kind of like a board game where like you're moving chess pieces or like in Warhammer, like you're attacking a, a creature because it, it very much is like this multifaceted, more than just a card game thing. So the way that let's say me and Vincent are playing a, a game of chaotic, right? We have like a six, we're having like a 6v6, right? That's pretty standard for chaotic, 6v6 team. So I were to go to my deck and all my cards, and I would make a creature lineup, including music, equipped weapons, and the amount of locations that we're going to have um, based off of what I have. And Vincent would do the same. And we would line up all six of our creatures, who each of them, you know, you can put a weapon or item on. Uh, you can choose not to. Some people benefit off of it. Some people don't benefit off of it. Um, then you would have the mujics that you want to bring into the battle. The amount, the mujics that you bring into the fight at the beginning are the mujics you have until one of you wins. And then the locations are randomly drawn out of, in the show, a 
really cool fucking dude. If I could use the fucking chaotic like touchscreen shit, that'd be so cool. Whenever they spun the location wheel, I was just like, that must be so satisfying, bro. Um. Anyway, we gotta we gotta move on. <laughs> we gotta move yeah. on. Um. Uh. Or it would be a random deck. It, we would we would both shuffle our um location cards together into one deck. And then after we shuffle, we would flip the top one, and that would be our location. Um, I would it, whoever challenged who first, the other person would go, or you'd roll a die, or rock paper scissors, whatever. And the first two creatures on the front would fight whoever wins, which is based off of all of your stats, which can also which include your weapons. It also includes your environment so whatever location you're at if you get a buff or a debuff or a certain effect happens when you're at this location that draws into it also during your turn if you're going to use a music to win the battle that also affects it like are you going to use your one music that could insta kill somebody on this first battle and then you can never use it again unless you have a creature that can let you use it again it is such a multifaceted complicated yet cool and sleek yet complex yet simple card game that i love and i really want to watch the show now thanks vincent um (laughs) i also just turned what should have been 10 minutes of talking into 30 or so um yeah let's just move on yeah i like chaotic chaotic's great um Bring it back. Yeah. Um, well, it is, it, it is back. Good mythical so, morning. Um, so to, to end off the chaotic stuff, um, the original owners of the of chaotic won. So the kids of WB no longer own it. Kids of WB shall fucking shut down. So I don't know who owned the kids of WB, but um, they won their lawsuit. Uh, and there is a chaotic Discord server. The owners are... And the community are active. They are prepping to release new cards. They're, they want to manufacture more. They want to release the product that were in warehouses that could not be released. They want to make more sets. They want to make new sets. They want to reprint old sets. They want to make everything relevant again. So if that if that interests you, if the, if the cartoon interests you after I just tangented about it for 30 minutes... Uh, when I told Vincent this was going to be a 45-minute episode, um, yeah, uh, go, go check it out. Um, it, w- it was my turn to talk, isn't it? I just talked mm-hmm. a bunch. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, so what's your next card game you're going to uh, bring up, Dean? <laughs> um, huh? I'm going to bring up a card game that I really enjoy. It's also based off of a show that I really liked. Um I'm going to talk about Card Fight Vanguard um, because some may know, some may not know. People who actually know me know that I like Card Fight Vanguard. And Card Fight Vanguard is a uh, card game made by the lovely people over at Bushy Road. They make a ton of card games. They make Five Schwartz. They make Luck and Logic. They made Luck and Logic. Um, they make other things. Uh, apparently, they are part of NJPW. That's interesting. Um, but they're, they're a card game people. Yeah, they make, you know, they make Y Shorts. Oh, they make Shadow vs. Evolve. Um, 
they oh. they they make Bang Dream. They did make uh, Buddy Fight, um, but Buddy Fight. Uh, good old, out. good old Buddy Fight. Um, but I play card. I, I did play card for Vanguard. I keep up with like the news and everything now. Um, how I got into card fight Vanguard? Uh, I just watched the anime and then I got onto it online. I didn't physically own cards for a long time. Um, I watched some of the old anime stuff. I thought it was cool. Um, I technically got into the card game at the end, at the like the beginning of Legion. Um, it's and then like I played through the G era and. I stopped playing at the end of the G era, like literally as the format ended. Um, and then there was the V area, V era and the modern era is the D era, which we've been told is not going to be rebooted again. So, um, I'm about to give you a rundown of lore, Vincent. I hope you're ready to hear me talk again for 30 minutes. (laughs) So Vanguard is (laughs) very similar to chaotic in some ways where, uh, it's an anime about just people playing cards, right? But in reality, as they find out, these cards are based off of creatures from another world um, that they kind of have connection to uh, and sometimes can project themselves to that world with their sheer willpower um, and imagination. Um, mm-hmm. The people in the anime like to say, image yourself, uh, if that's like a freaking phrase you can use. Um gonna image myself yeah so it's always like the one of the first lines we hear from our main character's opponent is image yourself on planet cray cray is the world that these creatures live on um i can give you an in-depth analysis of all those creatures if you want um but the way that the card game works is it's really interesting so you have the six i'm gonna i'm gonna actually send you a vanguard playmat right now (laughs) Just so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, uh, so this is a Vanguard playmat. I just sent it to you. Right? Why are there so many zones? Okay, this is actually very simple. So, uh, in is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually really simple. So think of it as... Oh, shit. This isn't even like a modern one. Give me a second. Uh, zones. sorry, this isn't like a modern one. Uh, <laughs> you're like, why is there so many zones? Uh, let me see if this one's a little better. Sorry there, guys. I just want to make sure that Vincent knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, okay. Uh, pay attention to this one instead. Okay? There's a little more... There's a couple more zones, but I promise it's easier to keep track of, okay? Um... So many zones. Uh, so okay, so I want you to look at the. So the way that Vanguard works is, you see that green circle in the middle, right? Yeah. So if anything, so the blue circle, so anything past the center of that, like, is our different sides. So 
the red circle um, is one side and the blue circle is another side and they just mirror each other, okay? So in the center is the vanguard circle, right? And the yellow circles around it in the U-shape are called the rearguard circle. So it's a 50-card deck, right? And it's a 50-card deck. In, in modern vanguard, it was a 46-card deck and a 4-card ride deck, but I'll explain all of that in a second. So it's a 50-card deck, right? So you, that's where your deck goes, right there. Drop zones, just your graveyard, okay? Uh, I'll explain everything else. So mm-hmm. when you start the Vanguard game, both of you take out your starter. So your starter is a... Oh, I need to send you a Vanguard card now. <laughs> uh, don't pay attention to a lot. I you promise, can't tell me what to do. I promise things will get easier. Uh, so this is a Vanguard card, right? A Van card. Yeah, a Van card. So a Vanguard card has their name, what type of unit they are. So this one's a normal unit. Their effect, if they have one. Sometimes there's vanillas. Their power, which is in the bottom left. How much critical they have, which is how much damage they can deal. So he has critical one, so he can deal one damage if he hits you. What clan he's from and what species he's a, what he what species he is. I will go over clan at a later point with you. Over to the left, you see that crown to Do the, the side. Do the clans clash? The yeah, actually. Um, you see that crown to the side, on the left hand mm-hmm. side. That is the shield. Uh, which I'll explain to you also in a bit. Uh, there's some flavor text above the ability. Um, in the top left... Man, have... this must be awful for anyone who's not looking at this image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, uh, make sure you uh, look look up... If you, want, if you want to play along, look at the Blaster Blade card for Card Fight Vanguard. Yeah. Um, in the top left of a Vanguard card is the Grade. So, Grade is important because... Numbers matter in this game, quite literally. And then on the bottom, that little symbol is how many drive checks it gets. I will explain all of that in one second. So when you start off a Vanguard fight, they're called fights. You don't duel people in Vanguard. You fight people, okay? Mm-hmm. When you start out a fight, um, rock, paper, scissors to whoever goes first or whatever. But you, both of you have a grade zero starter, so you both flip up on the Vanguard circle, your starter, and then whoever starts, um, whoever's first turn, um, I believe doesn't draw, but I also think they do draw. I'm not sure. And then the next thing they have to do is they have to ride a grade one. So riding is when you place a card over your current Vanguard card. And... Your card now, your Vanguard now turns into that card, right? So let's say like I we're we're on grade. Let's say our Vanguard's grade one, right? And it's my turn, and I have Blaster Blade in my hand. The steps in Vanguard go. Uh, it's your turn. There is the ride phase, the stride phase. No, there's the ride phase. The main phase, the battle phase, and then the end phase, right? Pretty simple, right? 
Mm-hmm. So in the ride phase, that is when you ride a vanguard. So you place a card in your vanguard circle with equal to or greater grade than your current vanguard, and that and your vanguard now becomes that card. And the card that you place it over becomes the soul of the vanguard, right? Soul is a resource. Um, so usually the way that it goes is you ride your vanguard and then you go all the way up to grade three. Um, effects will happen in between. And then you can call rear guards to the open circles on around your vanguard, right? Mm-hmm. So... During the battle, so only the front row can attack, okay? You can attack using any of your front row to any of your opponent's front row. You can attack your opponent's rear guards, and that will just destroy them, a.k.a. you send them from that circle to the drop zone, a.k.a. their grave. And then uh, if you attack your opponent's vanguard at any time, your opponent will take damage. Now, you see that orange circle in the middle? Mm-hmm. That's the guardian circle. So you remember that shield, that that crown that I told you to look at on Blaster Blade? Yeah. That is called a shield. So as you can see, his says shield 5k. So yeah. if you, your vanguard, whenever one of your units attacks another unit, they are doing a numbers battle, kind of like in Yu-Gi-Oh, okay? But if numbers match, that still means that the opposing oh, unit like will lose. Oh, like one piece you can discard. Yeah, okay. So in, like, let's say, like, your, van, like your, your rear guard was 9k and I attacked it with Blaster Blade, it... It would still die. My my, even if Blaster Blade was a rear guard, yours would still die over mine because I'm attacking you. Okay. Yeah. But what you can do is you can guard using units in your hand, or uh, if you can guard with using units in your hand that have shield, or you can intercept with grade two units. You grade two units um, have the ability to intercept, which means they can be moved from the rear guard circle to the guardian circle, which is that green circle, to guard an attack. And as long as the guard is higher than the attack amount that you're getting hit with, you don't take damage or your uh, rear guard doesn't get retired. Mm-hmm. Retired in Vanguard just means destroyed, uh, or it being sent to drop zone. So uh, that's kind of how it works. But remember how I said there was that symbol underneath the grade sim- the grade number? Yeah. So whenever you attack with your Vanguard or whenever your rear guard has the ability to do a drive check, you take the top card of your deck and you reveal it in that trigger zone above it. So whenever you would attack with Blaster Blade, that, that symbol means he can drive check for one when he attacks. So he has a single drive. So... When you attack with him, before any sort of before before your opponent takes damage, but after your opponent declares whether they want to guard the attack or not, you do a trigger check. So when you do a trigger check, there are certain cards that have the symbols in the top right corner. So I'm going to send you this image. Uh, 
Um, and these cards are called... Is that a bird? Yeah, it is a, a psychic, psychic bird. bird. Um, there are certain oh. cards that are called triggers. So triggers um, are special cards because whenever they are trigger-checked, a certain effect happens. So you see that star in the top right-hand corner and then the numbers yeah. beneath it? So that means that when you check this in the trigger area... Your Vanguard gains a critical, and if you remember, a critical means how much damage it does to your opponent, and then it gains power. So a Psychic Bird, would get when you trigger check, it would give you 5k power and a critical, right? Vanguard has multiple triggers. They have heal triggers, which allows you to heal one damage, because um, you see that damage zone over there. Whenever you take mm -hmm. damage, you stack it over there. Whenever you take damage, you also, you also check triggers. So... When you're attacking and when you take damage, you t you check triggers, um, and the the effects apply. So if I'm attacking with my blaster blade at you, and I were to reveal psychic bird, um, which doesn't actually work because I don't think that they're part of the same clan. Um, if I were to reveal a, tr a critical trigger, I would then, depending on if you guarded it or not, and if I could break the shield, because that's the thing about Vanguard, uh, and battling in Vanguard. There is a possibility that if your opponent guards with a certain amount, you could break over it with hitting with hitting triggers because triggers will always add power. Mm -hmm. um, there's usually secondary effects, so critical triggers add an extra critical. Heal triggers heal heal a damage if you have equal to or more damage than your opponent. Uh, there's draw triggers, which when checked let you draw a card from the top of your deck. Um, and there is front triggers, which give your front row units a certain amount of power. So everything in the front row gains. Usually it's 10k power. Um, there's stand triggers, which... Um, so in Vanguard, whenever you move something from sideways to f like straight, it's called standing them. Um, stand triggers just let you put a, like a sideways card... Not sideways. Um, you can put it vertically. Um, which means you can do another attack with it. Um, and lastly is the over-trigger. Um, do you want to guess what the over-trigger does? Uh, it triggers over something else's trigger. No. So an over-trigger, the, they all have special effects, but the baseline effect is that it gives your... It, get, it lets you target one of your units and it can gain 100 million power. Oh. Yeah. Not a lot of stuff is going to be guarding against that. Um, this game is so complicated. And if an over-trigger is checked... Okay, I, I'll explain some other stuff later. Um, but that's pretty much the functions of Vanguard. You want to get your opponent to 6 damage because then they'll lose. Decking out is also a thing. Um, I'm not even going to explain to you what a G-Zone is or a ride deck. Um... But to since I explained to you what guarding is, there are certain cards called Sentinels. They, it's a specific card attribute that they have. There can only be four Sentinels within a deck. There can also also be only be sixteen triggers within a, within a deck, and only four of them can be heal triggers. So you can only heal up to four times uh, within a Vanguard fight. Um, but their sentinels are very special because sentinels usually are considered a perfect guard. So 
Sentinels have the ability of when they're put on Guardian Circle, you can discard a card from hand and that hit won't hit you, right? So if I hit an over trigger and I'm throwing my unit at you with 100 million power and you use a, a perfect card, use the Sentinel, you put it on Guardian Circle and you discard it from hand, that hit will never hit. There's nothing to there's nothing for me to do against it, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's called a perfect guard because it will always guard no matter what. Um there's strategy within Vanguard because there's a lot of like baiting out your opponent's perfect guards because there can only be four within a deck unless they recycled them with an with an effect. Um uh stacking your triggers, uh there's also things with like putting your so if I were to attack you and you perfect guarded my vanguard attack and I did my trigger checks, I could still put the the effects of the triggers on my rear guards. So you would have to block them or you would deal with the consequences of that. Um, if I hit an over trigger while you perfect guarded, the over trigger will cancel out your perfect guard. So that's fun. Um, Vanguard's cool. Vanguard's awesome. Uh, they're having a little soft reboot currently um, within the current meta. Um, they're releasing a new set and there's a new anime coming out. Um, so yeah. There's a lot more to explain with Vanguard, but that could be its own episode. And, you know, we're already over, we're a little over on our time anyway. So, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about one last thing. And, uh, it's up to Vincent to do that. It's all on you. Um, Putting it all on you. Man, I've been waiting all day to talk about this. Hey, it hasn't been that long. So, Dual Masters. So? No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But correlated to Dual Masters. Dual Masters, fun fact, uh, was in a was a it was a game created by Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, in an attempt to get uh, a Japanese audience into the game Magic: The Gathering, um, which kind of worked, but also kind of like failed in the best way possible because the game does not exist anymore over here but the card game has been thriving uh in japan and asian countries and it has an anime still that is ongoing Mm -hmm. which is wild to me but the true thing that i wanted to talk about was magic the gathering okay um Magic is a game that I adore. It is the main thing that I sell, the main thing that I have like true business knowledge on. Um it is an unhealthy obsession in some ways, but also like, you know, it it gets those endorphins going that make me have happy juice in my brain. So like, you know, it can't all be that bad, right? Yeah. Maybe. Um I have Outside of, like, a couple very, very expensive formats, I believe I have tried to play... I I, I have played every single Magic format under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of, like, Vintage. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I do not own a Black Lotus, and I do not plan on owning a Black Lotus. It would be cool <laughs> if I did, but it's, it's probably not in the realm of possibility. Currently. Um, currently. <laughs> and potentially permanently. Um, but my main formats that I play are 
Commander. I play Popper. And I play... Well, I guess two more now. I play Canadian Highlander as well as... Oh, which, shut up. Best way to play. <laughs> we'll get to um, that. Canadian Highlander and now Timeless, which is a brand new format. What is Timeless? Timeless is a format that was introduced and basically exclusively played on MTG Arena. You can play it in person, although, like, it's... it's actually, no, you can't. You actually can't Never mind. because you okay. can play alchemy cards. Um, For those of you who are like, oh, what are alchemy cards? Alchemy cards are a weird creation the Wizards of the Coast made where um, at first I think it was just planned to be erratas and way to be able to make cards less degenerate and less broken and just balance things. But then that created a situation where... If people played on MTG Arena, there's cards that do things that, uh, or can't do things that the physical version of the card will do. So translation there got a little weird. So then mm -hmm. they started making weird cards. Uh, and by weird cards, I mean things like, um, <laughs> things like Oracle of the Alpha. Um, which uh -huh. is probably the funniest and most well-known alchemy card of all time. It is a bird wizard that when it enters the battlefield, you do something called conjuring. Conjuring basically just creates cards and then either puts them onto the battlefield or puts them into your library or hand. So uh, what Oracle of the Alpha does is it enters the battlefield and then it conjures something called the Power Nine, puts it into your library, and then shuffles your library. So... MTG Arena went very Hearthstone, is what I'm saying, is what I'm hearing. Yes. When you play this card, you put every single Mox, um, which are the zero-cost artifacts that can tap for a color. It puts Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, Time Twister, oh, and geez. Black Lotus all into your library. Oh. Um, it's a very funny card. Uh -huh. But, you know... Weird. Timeless looks at MTG Arena and says, do your worst because every single set that has ever been printed in Arena is legal. Mm -hmm. Every single card is legal. There is not a ban list currently. Um, so you can play oh, very wow. weird things that were never intended to ever work together. There's weird, like, one-off cards here and there from That's sets that they added into the game. Um, so the main deck that I've been playing, uh, so, so like, in the past when I've played MTG, when I've played Arena, I played Standard. Um, and I, I never got that far. At most, I got to, like, Gold 4, um how arena does their like standings is like four is the lowest in a tier one is the highest mm -hmm. currently in arena i am platinum four. Um, oh wow uh and i've had probably the most fun with a 60 card format since ever um i am playing something called is it phoenix uh which was a pioneer deck uh which 
got the card Expressive Iteration Ban. Um, and you get to play some very bizarre cards in that that should not mix. You get to play like cards like Dragon's Rage Channeler, which whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get to Surveil, which allows you to look at the top card of your deck, and you can either keep it there or you just toss it into your graveyard. And hmm. then it has Delirium, which if you have four or more card types in your graveyard, something happens. For Dragon's Rage Channeler, it gets plus two, plus two, gains flying, and has to attack every single combat. So it becomes a it becomes a one mana three three with flying. Wow. Um and then also lets you just sort of like filter the top of your library. Um I'm and then like the main card in the deck is Arclight Phoenix, which is a four mana three two flying with haste, but that card costs zero because at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you cast three or more instants or sorcery spells, you return it to the battlefield from the grave. Um so you just you just fill the deck with so many cantrips, ways to draw cards, ways to throw things into the graveyard. You can play Treasure Cruise. Um, oh, you can yeah. play Brainstorm. You can play Lightning Bolt. You can play uh, just so many crazy things. Um, and and one thing that like Pioneer, which is the main format for Arclight Phoenix, that it doesn't have because of balancing reasons is that with cons of Tarkir, they they don't allow you to have the fetch lands in Pioneer. We they just the latest set that they added to M2G Arena is cons of Tarkir. So you have fetch lands. Mm -hmm. Um it is so ridiculously over at the top and like the deck is good. The deck is very good. Don't get me wrong. I mean I got to platinum I got to platinum four with it and I'm like I I'm good with the game, but not necessarily in these kinds of formats. And the deck is complicated. Because mm -hmm. uh, if you brainstorm wrong, or like, you know, other consider wrong, or other things like that, then you just get screwed. Um, yeah. Uh, th there's so many, like, degenerate weird decks that I've seen. I've gotten hit with, like, commander combos, like, Demonic Tutor into a Tainted Pact into... <laughs> Thassa's Oracle. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Why am I playing Commander now? Um, there's Orcish Bowmasters left and right. There's Shieldreds here and there. It's crazy. It's so much fun. Uh, it's it's pretty cheap too. I think like the list that I'm running at most runs like what, like eight, maybe ten rares, and then four Mythics, and then after that, everything's like a common. Um huh. so like it's pretty it's pretty cheap to build. There's some really expensive lists. Whatever, that's timeless. Timeless is a fun is fun. It's a blast. Uh I am expecting some kind of ban list to happen within a a couple weeks. Or maybe there's no ban list and it's just if there's no stuff. ban list and it just stays degenerate, good. Th this format, honestly, perfect. Don't touch it. Just keep giving us more cards. Well, it just seems like it's something that, like, you don't want to touch just due to the fact that, like, you want everything to be fun. Like, it doesn't sound like a really serious format. It sounds like you yeah. just want to have fun with it. Yeah. No. It's 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 so good. It's so much fun. You get to play Faithless Looting. You get to play Faithless Looting in a deck that should not have Faithless Looting allowed. Um, 
you and I both love Commander. Yeah, I, I was going to say this. When it comes to formats, you know, I've played Modern, I've played Standard. Um, I've even... Hello? Hello? Oh, that was a, that was a mistake. I uh, have to remember that and edit. Um, what are we at? Hour 40. What happened? I have to remember. Uh, it's just um, my thing. <laughs> I had my audio like cut out for a second. I think my wire got taken out. Um, oh. But, um, yeah, I really do think that Commander is my favorite. I'm not a big fan of singleton formats, but when it comes to Commander, I'm just, I don't know. It's so fun. I love the concept of the Commander. Um and like the color restrictions that you have to follow within it, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's awesome. I re- I, I enjoy Commander. I enjoy Magic altogether, but mostly through the view, of Commander. Um, I hate to stick myself into the one format with, multi with a multi format thing, but you know I don't really play anything when I when it comes to playing a card game. I usually don't stick out of more than one format. For the most mm-hmm. part, depending on how comfortable I get with the game and my game knowledge altogether. Um, but, yeah, no. I really love Magic. I love hearing stuff about it. I love seeing the secret layers um, and the different collaborations and concepts they have out there. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I definitely I think it's really fun whenever we see like a random... Like, when we have, like, random collaborations, like, whenever the Godzilla stuff came out, or the weirdest one, in my opinion, is The Walking Dead, but, you know, teach their own. Um, oh, that's really interesting. I really, I think it's really interesting that you just explain Timeless and what <laughs> Timeless is. Cause, um, it's a cool format. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, for sure. Um I'll have to look into it. Definitely sounds fun. Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about more. I'm gonna be honest. I love talking, talking with you guys or talking at you guys. But you know, uh, I talked way too much about chaotic um, that I'm comfortable with for the time. <laughs> so. Um, I am good. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for thanks for getting to this point. Thanks for listening to the the possible train wreck that this is. But you know, we we want to try something new. We wanted to mix up what we were doing, and card games is something that we both mutually like and love. So, with those small introductions of what we are interested in, um. We're going to continue the series as the second episode a month that we put out. And um, it's going to kind of be a little bit more of a news and talking segment um, where we're going to be maybe talking about some news that is happening between these card games that we play. Maybe also talking about some different things, like maybe talking about a format that we liked within a card game, maybe talking about um, like a certain 
style of cards or maybe some interesting topics that could go over that could span over multiple card games that we play so um keep uh keep a lookout for our episodes of this series um and i I'll, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we move on to transitioning to the end vincent uh no i don't think i do i have nothing left to say to you folks okay cool um not cool bad um good um (laughs) okay um very good but he took the reins in the beginning so i will end it all off um thank you all for listening uh taking your time out of your day and listening to us blabber on about different things my name is dean you can get in contact with both of us that was so random you guys know who i am um you can get into contact with both of us at our uh twitter handles twitterly twitter twitterly twitter formerly known formerly known as twitter but is now x um you can get to us at our handles i am at lying underscore mask and I am Vincent Barlow 8. And you can contact both of us at our uh, joined, <laughs> my God, our joined uh, handle at Domestic BF Pod. Thank you, Ultimate Maverick X, as always, for the art. And we will see you again, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. We're recording this on the 22nd. Um, you will get a new episode in the future in 2024 january so uh keep an eye out for that we're not really sure what we're going to be doing uh when it comes to the next main episode um maybe minus one um i might be going to see that tomorrow uh so yeah uh yeah thanks for watching guys stay beautiful everyone